last few weeks, um, we have been in a sermon series called Jesus Stories. And Jesus, as we've talked about, had this amazing way of being able to not just tell a story to to entertain or, or to communicate a point, but what Jesus was doing through these parables, through these stories, was he was he was bringing us into a deeper understanding of who God is, of uh, kind of unlocking our mind to to understand and see what it means to um, know God in new and different ways. So many times, the parables of Jesus are set up by Jesus saying the kingdom of God is like this. You believe it looks like this, but I'm telling you it is this. And and even today, the, the scripture that we're going to study together is another one of those where Jesus kind of brings us into this place of being transformed by the power of story. We see it in our own world now that the power of story, the power of images has this way of being able to just change our understanding, of of changing our perspective, of giving us um, a new way of seeing and thinking in it. It really can move us both emotionally and intellectually. And so as we look at these stories, we realize there's a way that, that what Jesus is doing is almost kind of like flipping our understanding of God's kingdom and the way that God works and the way that God desires to work in us or what God calls us to. You know, I came across this picture as I was preparing for this sermon, and and I want you to look at this picture. And Here's what's so interesting about this. As you first look at it, it kind of plays tricks with your mind. You know, you see the image one way, and the way that you see it, it, it looks... It looks one way where it's like, wow, this is a guy in, in danger. Like, I don't know what happened just before somebody snapped this picture, but somebody needs to help this guy. But look what happens if we turn the image just 90 degrees. All of a sudden, all the concern, all the peril goes out the window, and you get, see a guy who's a prankster, a comedian, and, and the way that just perspective alone can totally change our understanding of a situation, of a circumstance. And we see this... So many times, and again, this is just a a funny illustration, but we see it so many times in Jesus' teaching where his his audience, his hearers, both us and then those in the ancient world as well, are are seeing things one way, are understanding things one way. Um, The perspective is in one way, but then what happens as Jesus tells a story, as Jesus teaches, as he as he uses a parable, what it's doing is it's it's kind of flipping our understanding, the, the image, the way we view the world, our worldview is kind of flipping it and turning it. Not so much upside down, even though that's a lot of times how we say it, because that's measured by the way the world talks and the world thinks, but really helping move things back into a right perspective, a right understanding, and kind of flipping it so that we see things very differently. Even today, the parable we're going to look at, it it helps us unpack something that, especially if you've grown up around church or in Christian culture, Christian community, you've heard about prayer and you've heard about prayer being, you know, we need to pray persistently. We need to pray fervent prayers. We need to pray, you know, regularly and often. And and we talk about that and, and maybe at times we've worked really hard to live that out in our life and with great intensity or in seasons have prayed really hard about a situation or a circumstance. But today through Jesus' parable, I think we're going to understand this concept and this idea of persistence in prayer in a, in a different way. It's kind of like taking that image and, and turning it and helping us to see what Jesus was communicating to both his followers, his disciples, and to those who were hearing him, and to us, the, the modern day followers of Jesus. And so 
My hope is today that as we go through these verses of scripture, it's going to do that very same work in you of, of kind of turning your perspective and opening up something new for you. So uh, if you have your Bible, you know, whether it's on your phone or it's on, uh, you have a paper Bible um, or it will be on your screen, join with me now in Luke chapter 11, starting in verse number one. I'm going to read through these verses. There's about 13 verses here I'm going to read through, and then we're going to unpack what Jesus is saying here in this parable. Luke 11, verse number one. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John, talking to John the Baptist, John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. That's that Lord's Prayer. More commonly, we've heard it from Matthew's Gospel. But look at what Jesus, sticking with this in in Luke, look at what Jesus says next. Then, teaching them more about prayer, Jesus used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose this neighbor calls out from his bedroom, because, you know, he's already, it's midnight, he's already asleep. Don't bother me! The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. Verse number eight. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Some translations actually translate that word there. Instead of shameless persistence, it says shameless audacity. Verse number nine. So I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. And then Jesus finishes it with this final imagery, verse number 11. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Pause with me for just a moment. God, we pray that these scriptures will come alive in our hearts today. Lord, would you bring us deeper into the understanding of what Jesus wants us to see here? God, would you uh, communicate, you know, not just uh, through the distance of time, but also through even just the technology that we're using to meet online today and allow us to experience the Holy Spirit in new and in fresh ways today as we study your scripture. Amen. Here's what happens in this moment as Jesus is setting up this parable. You know, he, it says uh, in these first few verses that he was in a certain place and he was praying. And as he finished, one of his disciples, one of his followers said, Lord, teach us how to pray. You know, John, we heard John's disciples were taught how to pray by him, but we want to know how you want us to pray. And, and as I mentioned in, you know, in Matthew's gospel, but also here in Luke, Jesus then gives this, this prayer. This is how you should pray the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven. 
And, and, and we know it. We've, we've learned it. We've memorized it as children. We know these verses. But then what happens is in Luke's gospel here, Jesus says, let me take not just teaching you in words how to pray or, or some sort of formula there, but let me illustrate it for you with, with a story. Let me bring you into the story. So he kind of paints this image of a, a neighbor who runs to a neighbor's house at midnight and says, hey, I've got an unexpected guest. I, I need to serve them something. And in the ancient world, hospitality, like as, as a person was traveling, if it's a friend or, or even somebody that's unknown and they needed a place to stay, like hospitality is top of the list of priorities of being able to host somebody and care for somebody and inviting them into your home and making sure they're cared for. And so in this moment, it's like neighbor to neighbor, they, they're understanding like this is an important thing. And, and Jesus is saying, yeah, but that one neighbor that's already in bed, he's like, man, forget it. Go away. I'm sleeping. Go knock on somebody else's door. I'm all done. You're waking my family up. The kids are, I finally got them to be quiet. And, and then Jesus says, but I tell you this, you know, even if this neighbor out of friendship won't respond, just out of this shameless persistence, out of this place of shameless audacity, they'll respond. They'll help out. If you just keep banging, eventually they're going to be like, look, all right, I'll help you out. I mean, you got to be careful nowadays because you go banging on people's doors and you get the one hand behind the hip, you know what's going on there. Um, we'll, we'll stop with that. But as, as we think about it in the ancient world, ancient context, this place of this shameless persistence, if you look at that in the original, um, in the original Greek, in the original writings of the scriptures, part of that place of, of shameless persistence is not in the way that we think about shamelessness that's like, whoa, that's really shameless. Like this person is just, they're embarrassing themselves. Like, you know, I can't even believe it. But what it means is that without shame, that shamelessness, it's a bold, like brazen, unwavering persistence. Like this way of saying like, I know what I'm focused on. I know what my intent here is. I know what my motivation is. And without anybody concern for anyone else's opinion or the judgment of, their, of this situation, I am going to be persistent. And so even as we look at these scriptures, we have to ask ourselves today, in what areas and what ways of our life that we do we need to develop this this attitude of this kind of shameless audacity shameless persistence when it comes to pursuing god's heart through prayer because remember that's what this all is talking about is jesus followers were asking teach us how to pray and he's not saying well here's a formula of how you do it pray this way a B, point B1, B2, and then C, and then he's not breaking it down that way at all. What he's saying is there's something in your heart, in your spirit, when it comes to this expression of prayer, of relationship to God, that has to be so intense, so persistent, that it's shameless. It's, it's audacious, like there's nothing holding it back. And like a neighbor going to a neighbor's house at midnight, just pounding on that door of saying, I know that you can help me and I'm going to press in until you respond. I mean, that's pretty intense when we stop and we think of it. Like think about this, you know, again, in the context of what Jesus is saying here is he's helping his followers understand that not only can God answer prayers, God does answer prayers. There's kind of two parts of this parable that Jesus sets up. He says, you know, in the first part of like, you know, the neighbor 
knew, neighbor one knew that neighbor two had the bread, had the ability to respond to the need. And so it was really just getting a response and getting the door open. But if you look at the second half of what Jesus tells in this parable is he begins to talk about this in this relationship of like knocking on a door, of asking, of seeking, of, of, of seeing, a, you know, knocking until a door is open. And then he, he brings it into this closer relationship that's not just neighbor to neighbor. It's not just friend to friend, but he says, hey, you fathers, to all the parents out there, when your child asks, and, and, and ask of, of needing to see their needs met. You know, ask for a fish. You don't give them a snake. If they, if they ask for an egg, you don't give them a scorpion. Of course not. And then he uses this phrase. He says, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, what, what's actually being said there, that word sinful, the way it's translated is, is ponderos. It's this idea of people who are lacking spiritual insight. And, and so when we think about it, it's, it's Jesus is saying is like, for those of you, you know, you're asking me how to pray. You're asking me how to, how to um, know God the Father and how to follow. And for you in your, your lack of insight and your lack of understanding and your, your sinful ways of this world, if you are willing to respond to your, your children's need and, and meeting their needs and, and giving them good things and making sure they're taken care of, how much more does the good, perfect, holy, heavenly Father desire to meet your need, desire to respond to the cry of your heart. Like Jesus is saying this, and we have to we have to understand this. Like just like the neighbor, who who responded to that persistence at midnight, God the Father, who is good, perfect, and holy, is is willing to respond, is willing to open up, is willing to unlock that door and see the goodness of God poured out, and it all comes down to this place of realizing that it's the persistency in prayer. It's the consistency of knocking, of repeating, of seeking after God. You know, when we look at that relationship of God the Father to to us, God's children, we see what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, you know, think about it. Like, you know, we, we still in our human nature, like we love partially. We love conditionally. We respond to the needs of others, even the needs of our, our children, based not always out of the goodness, perfection, holiness that who God is, but sometimes out of our own weakness, out of our own inability. And, and we may be trying, and sometimes we give, we give ourselves credit, like, well, I did my best. Well, we don't always do our best. We know that. But yet, Jesus is saying our relationship to God as Heavenly Father is something so far beyond what we can comprehend, what we can understand. It has to bust up and, and break apart our human understanding of father, of parent. That relationship of, of parent to child, of, of father to child, of son or daughter. Like We have to come to a place of seeing what Jesus is referring here is not an earthly father relationship. It's not an earthly friendship. It's not an earthly neighbor, but he's talking about God the Father and the wholeness and the the immensity of who God is and the perfection of who God is. He desires to respond. He desires to respond to our heart's cry. As Jesus says here, if you and your your imperfect nature work your best to, to meet the needs of your children, how much more does God the Father, your, your spiritual heavenly Father, desire to meet your needs? How much more? 
I mean, understand it. Yes, it's a hypothetical, but how much more? I mean, will God give, you know, 10 times more, 100 times more, 1,000 times more? If he's God, the Heavenly Father, like how many times more? Here's the reality. It is incomprehensible how much more God desires to pour out, to, to, to show a sustaining power, to respond to our needs, to our heart cry. And so in this story that Jesus is telling, again, we have to realize that Jesus, as he's bringing his followers into an understanding of, of how to pray, he's not saying that in prayer you, you do X, Y, Z, and because you have done that transactionally, the door unlocks, it swings open, and now ah, you have what you need, and, and God pours it out. But actually, what Jesus is illustrating here in the persistence, in the dependency, in that just, you know, persistent, audacious, shameless persistence after the heart of God, what it does is it brings us in our human nature to a posture of humility, to, to kind of bringing us back down to the place of recognizing that in my prayer, I am humbly expressing my desire to see God respond. In my desire to see that while my hands are empty, God the Father is that neighbor with those loaves of bread ready. That, that God the Father is the one who is ready to respond. And when we think about it, we see here that there is an essential nature in all of this that is the part that the Holy Spirit plays. Jesus says that how much more will God the Father give you the Holy Spirit? How much more will God give us the Holy Spirit? And I think it's so important for us to understand in this relationship of prayer, persistent prayer, is the role of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 8, 8, 26 through 28. Uh, Paul writes it this way, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. If God the Father, how much more God the Father will give us the Holy Spirit? Well, here's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. And then Paul writes, for example... We don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And that the Father knows all hearts, Father knows all hearts and knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Paul is saying, look, you in your, in, in your prayer, in those persistent prayers, it's not about you praying exactly for the right thing to somehow move the hand of God. It's not about you knowing the exact right words. And guess what? Most times when it comes to praying and praying persistent prayers, What's actually happening is the Holy Spirit praying on your behalf with those groans, with those pleadings that are beyond what we could ever actually express in our human mind. And so it's somehow in the mystery of all of this, we realize that the Spirit pleads for us on behalf, and as Paul writes it here, in harmony with what? With God the Father's own will. God's will, God's desire for us. God's desire, God's will for me, God's desire and God's will for you, God's desire and God's will for your children, for your brother, for your sister, for your coworker, for your neighbor, for this church, God's desire and God's will. That is what the Holy Spirit is pleading for. 
So Jesus is, is bringing us to this place of recognizing that, yes, we are surrounded by situations sometimes that seem impossible. We're surrounded by heartache, by difficulties, by challenges that in our human mind, and our human intellect, we can't figure out the path forward. We at times, like Paul says, we at times won't even know the right words to pray to ask God for. Am I asking for this? Am I asking for that? But what is happening, and this is what Jesus is bringing his followers into, is an understanding that in prayer, it's not a formula. It's not even figuring out the right way to say and ask whatever, but it's this place of an expressing a dependence through the Holy Spirit on God the Father and believing in faith that God will move, that God is at work. Jesus is saying, you can trust in God the Father. But do we live this way? Do we truly live this way? Because I can tell you there are so many times that me in my prayer, like if you could go back and look at the transcript of the prayers that I've prayed and then look at the circumstance of my life and my experience and what has happened, it doesn't always line up. Just because I prayed persistently X, Y, and Z doesn't mean that that was out the outcome. And yet at the same time, what I have experienced is a faith and a trust in God that continues to grow. A faith and a trust in God that actually moves me into places of being okay with things that are undone. Being okay with the mystery of who God is. Of being okay of even being in those unknown, uncertain places and knowing that, you know what? I have a good heavenly father who is going to meet my needs. I have a good heavenly father that through the Holy Spirit, is, is, is pleading and working on my behalf. And then even when I'm in my most cloudiest, most, most darkest place, as I'm pleading, as I'm praying, as I'm calling out to God, I don't have to worry about getting it right and being perfect. All I need to do is pursue the heart of God the Father. And so we really have to ask ourselves, you know, even when we don't get the outcome we want, when it comes to praying and praying regularly, how are we experiencing the nearness and the closeness of God working in our lives, in the lives that we, of those around us that we love and in our circumstances? Before we wrap up this morning, I want to bring us to a place of understanding even more so the context of what Jesus is, is how Jesus is sharing this parable, because I think it's important for what he's teaching in prayer for us to understand what has happened just before this moment. You know, I do this often of like, let's look at the context of scripture, not just these powerful verses, but let's understand the context of what Jesus is teaching here. If we go just before Luke chapter 11 and look at the end of Luke chapter chapter 10, we see a moment where Jesus has had this powerful interaction again. And then the next thing that happens is he's in a place praying and his disciples are asking about prayer. But look at what happens here. Luke 10, verse number 38, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner. She was preparing. She, her hospitality, like she was wanting to get it right. Jesus is in her house. She wants to get it right. But then Martha comes to Jesus and she says, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. I mean, 
That's pretty bold. It's pretty audacious. And so she comes to Jesus in her distractedness. She comes to Jesus in all her well-intentioned hospitality and busyness. And she says, look, can't you respond to my need and tell her to get up off her butt and come help me? Come on. Doesn't that seem right to you, Jesus? And then look what Jesus says. Verse number 41. But the Lord Jesus said to her, dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. I read these verses, and it moves my heart. Because what has Jesus done here? What is Jesus showing? And then even a few verses later, as he teaches his followers how to pray, as he teaches us how to pray, as he pulls back the veil and reveals the, the, the heart of God toward us, what does he say? Dear Brad, you are worried and upset over all these details, but there is one thing worth being concerned about. Put your name in the blank. You are worried and upset and concerned over all these details, but there is one thing worth being concerned about. He points at Mary and says, Mary's discovered it, and it won't be taken away from her. What is it? It's the power of just being with Jesus, of beholding his face, of hearing his voice, of being in his presence. I think Martha... Her heart was good, was in the right place, I think. You know, she, I think her, she was distracted in her motivation, but I think she was well-intentioned. I, I think, you know, she, she understood the power of having, I mean, Jesus was in the house. Come on. Like, that's got to be like the best meal. meal. And, and yet, Martha, somehow in the, in the power and the mystery of that moment, was able to slow herself down. There's still a lot of things to do. A lot of things to be concerned about, to be distracted with. Jesus didn't say those things don't matter. But what did he say? Mary had found, she had discovered it. And what she had discovered will not be taken away from her. The one thing worth being concerned about, of being with Jesus. So when we think about it in this place of persistent prayer, of, of praying with, with audacity, that shameless persistence. You know, sometimes our, our brains and our, our minds can kind of default back to this, this understanding that I, I said it myself and a lot of people say it that, well, you know, in prayer, prayer is just talking to God. Maybe you've said it yourself or you've heard it explained that way. I mean, I've explained it to my kids that way and to so many people that prayer is really simple. It's just talking to God. You can pray, just talk to God. And while in its simple nature that is true, the truth is that in prayer, there's a deeper place of experiencing God where we come to this place of the persistency of our prayer really being about our pursuit and our seeking after just being in the presence of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing that the Holy Spirit is interceding for us and that the heart of God the Father is good. And so then we just come to the feet of Jesus and we just simply rest in God's presence. It doesn't mean that we never speak a word out loud in prayer, but there's something about the ability to come and just slow down, 
did not feel as though we have to incessantly be talking to God or, or that we have to rapidly, just like a punching bag, bah, 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 just praying and praying and praying. And somehow the intensity of that will cause God to do something or make something happen. That's not what Jesus is teaching at all. What he's teaching here is that there should be an intentional and persistent pursuit of your heart after the heart of God the Father. It's a powerful and a deeper way of moving into relationship with God, of experiencing the loving relationship with God where we become more and more comfortable with being silent before God, where we come into this place of in the silence of prayer with God, we're just listening. Think about it. We're listening to hear God's spirit, God's heart speaking to us the one who encourages, the one who knows our name, the one who sees our needs, who has already promised to be working on our behalf through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so then we come into a place of instead of being like a neighbor who's pounding on a door, let me in, let me in, can you please just give me a few loaves of bread, please let me in, that all of a sudden we begin to grow in relationship with God where no longer are we on the outside of the door pounding and pounding with insistency and persistency, but we realize that we are in the family of God. We've come home to God the Father. We have our place of belonging. And as we sit at the feet of Jesus, we simply receive. We simply receive. We receive from God. You know, that's what Jesus says for everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. God is opening the door to you. He's inviting you in. He's inviting you home. He's saying, come home to God the Father and know that I desire to hear your needs. I desire to hear you express the, your heart's cry. And in the moments when you your words fail and you don't know what else to say, the Holy Spirit is interceding with groanings beyond our understanding and that Jesus is inviting us into that place of knowing God the Father. That's what's so audacious about it. It's not really about our performance, about our goodness, our ability to do just right, to then see God's hand move. God has already promised it. We simply receive. I love it. Eugene Peterson writes this in, in one of his books. He says, faith is not a generalized abstraction, but a way of life that is expressed in persistent prayer. Faith is not a, a generalized abstraction, like some just kind of out there thing to try to be grasped at, but it's a way of life that is expressed in persistent prayer. It's the ability for us to persist in prayer and to have that shameless audacity that flows from knowing the heart of God the Father. So this morning, I invite you to come to a place of, of dependency on God again. I know that you have big things in your heart and your life that you are seeking for God to move and work in. Things that seem like impossibilities, that when you look at it through your human way of seeing it, it's like the picture is all out of focus and that it's turned the wrong way and you look at it and you go, I don't know. I don't know how it could ever be. And today I believe that Jesus is reminding us that we need to keep on asking, we need to keep on seeking, we need to keep on knocking. That is the promise of God. But at the, the same time, it comes with a promise that says that God, our good heavenly Father, how much more 
will he pour out the Holy Spirit? How much more? So today I want to pray for you and I want to pray a prayer that, again, brings us back to that place of that subtle dependency on God the Father, of remembering that God is faithful, that God is working, that God is our good heavenly Father. Will you pray with me now? God, we thank you for verses of scripture like this that reveal and uncover the powerful truth of who you are. God, we recognize that, yes, there is, there is a, a cry within our heart to know you more, to see your hands moving and at work. And yet what you are telling us today through these verses of scripture and what you're bringing us into an understanding is that even in our, in our intensity and in our concern and, and worrying over many things like Martha, you're inviting us to come back and simply just sit at your feet, to receive from you, to realize that in that posture, in that position, that it's a good thing that could never be taken from us. I pray, God, that you help to grow our faith in a way that we become a people who are regularly and persistently, that, that shameless audacity, ones who are willing to ask, seek, to knock, and to know that you are unlocking and that you are opening. And at the same time, God, as we pursue you in that way of asking and seeking and knocking, we do so, God, out of a privileged position of knowing that we are your children and that your heart and your attitude and your posture is already toward us. We don't have to convince you of it. We don't have to convince anyone else of it. We have to allow ourselves to simply receive it and to know that we are yours. God, would you bring us into a place of that willingness to just simply belong to you? God, I pray even in the coming week that you give us opportunities to just sit in silence with you, to listen for your voice, to receive from you and know that there is an insistency and a persistency in our heart of saying, I'm not giving up because I know God the Father is for me. I know who I belong to and so I receive that from God today. God, and even if our circumstances don't line up with our, our desires and our, and our wants and our needs, we realize, God, that you are good and you are still at work, and so we will trust in you. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to thank you for joining us online today. As I mentioned, our intent and our plan is to be back in person in the building next Sunday. But please remember, put it on your calendar now for uh, Wednesday, September 15th. That's the start of our Wednesday time of, of studying scripture and, and times of prayer together. It's going to be an opportunity for us over the next eight weeks to be able to grow in our understanding of prayer, to explore different ways of praying and, and what the... the um, the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught us is helping us understand about how we relate to God through prayer. I believe it's so important. So if you have questions about prayer, if you feel like you've gotten kind of rusty and you need to you know, dust off your prayer life and, and want to grow in prayer, like this is the time and this is the place to do it. Each Wednesday, 7 p.m. starting on September 15th. So make sure you have that on your calendar. Any questions, you are certainly welcome to reach out to me. I want to encourage you as well. If you have uh, anything from this morning that you would like prayer about, you certainly can do so in the chat or you can send us a message or you can reach out by phone so that we can support you. We can be praying for you and just know that I am so thankful that you've taken this time today to join us online and wherever you're worshiping from today. Know that the Holy Spirit is with you and that we are praying for you and we can't wait to see you in person next Sunday. God bless you as you go into the rest of your day.